We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet. Here we go. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CBV Chris Van Vliet. Hope you had an amazing holiday and that you were able to spend it with some of your loved ones. And thank you so much for being with us on this one. A really interesting conversation with Rene Dupree who made a name for himself during the Ruthless Aggression era in WWE with La Resistance. He debuted in WWE at just 19 years old. A very, very jacked 19-year-old, might I add. We talk a lot about that here. And he has a new podcast called Café de René, where he speaks his mind about pretty much everything. And you'll see in this interview that he doesn't hold back really at all. Cafe de René is available wherever you're listening to this right now. You can also check out their YouTube channel, Cafe de René, which of course means coffee with René. You can give the show a follow at Cafe de René on social media. You can give me a follow at Chris Van Fleet or at Chris.VanFleet if you're on TikTok. And it's been so amazing seeing how many reviews we've been getting on Apple Podcasts. So thank you. It is one of the most important things to help the show grow. So I, I can't say thank you enough. We're almost at 2,200 reviews on there. Amazing. Our fan of the week is Kate Millar, who says, great, one of the first podcasts I ever listened to, and it's always so good. Kate, thank you so much for the review. I read one out on every single episode. Apple Podcasts is the place where the reviews can be submitted and then they are publicly shown. So if you happen to have an iPhone or you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts, please just leave a few words on there. Or if you've already left a review, go back in, add a few words, take away a few words, add an emoji, take out an emoji, whatever you want to do. It freshens it up and then resubmit it and it will go right to the top there. So guys, if you haven't learned from this, I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful. So I just can't say thank you enough for being on this journey with me. Let's get right into this. Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, René Dupree. René, you are the first guest that I've ever had on the show that's in the Atlantic time zone. This was very confusing for me to book this. C'est la vie. <laughs> Très bien. Wait, so you're living in New Brunswick now? Yeah. So for Americans who might be watching this, that's like 
Maine and then a little bit further north? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we border Maine. Okay, so Maine. you border Maine. You also well, border Quebec, though. Yeah. How, well, how long has it been now? Was that? How long has it been now since you've been back in Canada? Well, I moved back here in 2007. Mm -hmm. Then I traveled around. I lived in Japan for about three years. Right. And I toured all over Europe. But I always try to come back home, right? Yeah. Well, I, I hear you. There's nothing like Canada. I love Canada, dude. Yeah, it's, al it's always good to talk to a fellow Canadian. I'm sorry that my French is very, very limited to high school French, which is not helpful in a conversation at all. Okay. I, I rarely even speak French anymore, only with my dad. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like in, they teach you in high school to like conjugate verbs, which, you know, it serves no purpose in real life, I feel like. There's a lot of stuff I learned in school that serves no purpose, man. <laughs> I'm so curious to dive into your whole story here. But uh, before we get into all of that, congrats on your new podcast. Thanks. Well, I got a lot of downtime. And then this, this guy from the uh, UK was like, he, he interviewed me for his podcast. That yeah. night, he's got to give it a cheap plug. Yeah, James. Said, yeah, James. And then he said, well, would you be interested in doing one? And I was like, I got nothing but time on my hands since I can't travel anywhere, right? Right. So, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty fun. It's, it keeps me updated what's going on in wrestling because otherwise I'd have no clue because I, I don't watch it on TV anymore, right? I find that to be such an interesting thing. So many guys, after they have left the business or left WWE, don't watch wrestling that much anymore. What, what do you think it is about that? I think you get sick of it. <laughs> you get burnt out when you're there. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah. You get so burnt out because when you're in that system, it's like 24-7, right? Yeah. I mean, you're technically an independent contractor, but really you're on call 24-7. So is this the idea that you've seen how the sausage is made and maybe now you don't like eating sausage so much anymore? Well, like now I follow the Japanese stuff because that's where I've been based for Christ going on 15 years now, right? Yeah. So, like, now I'm with a company called Pro Wrestling Noah, and they're about to start a, a feud with New Japan Pro Wrestling, interpromotional feud. And uh, if it wasn't for these freaking lockdowns, I'd be there right now, a part yeah. of it. And, when you uh, look at the New Japan roster, who are you like, oh, man, I need to have a match with this person? Well, I wrestled pretty much three-quarters of the roster already because I was in all Japan Pro Wrestling. I was there with right. Sonata. Bushi, uh, Minoru Suzuki, Kojima. So I wrestled all those guys before, but like the guys I haven't wrestled would be Okada, Tanahashi, uh, Naito. Uh, I like to get. Have you worked Osprey yet? Oh uh, no, no. I know exactly what I would do with them, though. I mean, I'm not going to divulge my secrets here on this, uh, but I know what you know. Like, I compare him to like a Paul London. You remember Paul London? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I I could have so much fun with those guys. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I love it. You know, if 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 hardcore wrestling fans are watching this or listening to this right now, they'll recognize the name of your podcast, Cafe de Renee, which was a very very short lived talk show <laughs> in WWE. <laughs> I think we had like one in ring uh, one in ring uh, session, and then like some backstage stuff. No, nah, that was just created by one of the writers. And then uh, I didn't even name it. 
this, my co-host decided to call it that. I was like, okay, go ahead. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, I'll probably rename it here eventually. It's Coffee with Renee, right? Yeah, yeah. See, my high school French is kicking in here. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth something. Why didn't it last longer in WWE? I don't know. Maybe they didn't like it. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you're working for Vince McMahon. The guy changes his mind like he changes his underwear, right? <laughs> so, you know. Would, I mean, obviously you're not in it now, but would you say that's gotten better or worse as Vince has gotten older? You watch the product? Yeah. <laughs> I probably watch it about as much as you're watching it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, if, I, if I'm not a fan of something, yeah. I can't. I can't fake it i can't pretend that it's great you know what i mean yeah like, i get asked all the time would you go back well number one would they have me back which is probably no because i've been outspoken mm. right but number two it's like dude i can't even watch the show yeah so like and i know i know the process that goes into it it's not what i grew up you know it's not what i was brought into the process yeah. it's more hollywood now yeah, well, it's a television show, and I think people always forget it's a television yeah. show. Yeah. At what point in your career did you start to be okay with being outspoken about this stuff? Honestly? Yeah. My friends started dying. Wow. That's when I lost it. You know, because when I literally, when I left, I was, you know, being professional and like, it's a great company. I just, you know, want to do something else. But then when, it actually happened when my friend Lance Cade passed away at the age 29 of an overdose. You know, I just mm. snapped. But that, uh, I'm glad that that has kind of decreased as far as guys dying young. It's kind of gotten better. You know, at one point, man, it's like every other month, you'd have a guy just drop dead, you know? Especially the years that I was there. I was there from 2002 to 2007. Yeah, Those are like the worst years, right? Yeah, when you look at that time, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can already think of like eight to 10 people who passed away far too soon. What do you think it it is or it was? Drugs. Mm. Opiates. Are we, are we talking like hard drugs or are we talking steroids? We're talking opiates. Yeah. Right now, unless you're living under a rock, and North America has a serious, serious uh, opioid addiction. Yeah. And then, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's out of control. Yeah. You know, then you put yourself in a position where your job is being, at that time, being bashed over the head with chairs. And they still go through tables, which they overdo it to death. It means nothing anymore. And, you, you know, and you had no time off. And at that time, you were scared to lose your spot. I can remember a fellow Canadian, Andrew Martin. Remember him? Test, yeah. Yeah. When he broke his neck, they fired. So what kind of message does that send to the rest of your locker room? Right? You could even yeah. show that you were in pain. Because then they may think, oh, well, we can't push this guy because, you know, he might he might fall off the radar. He might get injured. And then there goes our, you know, it's all about money, right? TV time is money, right? Yeah. So that's when guys would, and here's the thing that people don't realize, or maybe they do, all it takes is seven to 10 days 
of consistent usage of an opioid, and you're you're hooked. Your wow. your body becomes physically dependent on. It. So if you got a torn knee, and you take the stuff and you're still working every night. You take that stuff for 30, 40, 60 days. When you try to get off of it, you can't. Yeah. You're hooked. Is this something that you struggled with? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the first time I got introduced to it was my first month in the United States because I got sent to developmental, right? Yeah. Which was in Cincinnati. And uh, OVW, right? No, no, this was HWA, Heartland oh, okay. Association. Yeah. So I, I, we had a practice match, and I did a dive in the corner, and I hit the, the steel ring post, and I uh, broke all four of my front teeth. Gone. Phew. We're actually, like, chipped in half, and it was brutal, right? Well, you have a great dentist, because this is tremendous work here. Well, I had him replaced three times. But <laughs> three times. So then I went to the dentist, and he gave me a bottle of Vicodin. Hmm. So that, and if you, like, I, I follow, like, uh, Intervention. You ever watch that TV show? Yeah, of course. And, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of their stories. That's how. That's how they get started. Is through their doctors prescribing, you know, an opioid. You know. Yeah, and, and for a lot of I people, see, when they can't get happen. opioids anymore, they end up turning to heroin. The heroin. Yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah. How and did you was, kick it? Um, I asked for help. Yeah. And they provided for me, you know. So I got help, and then when I about two weeks after I left the, the establishment, Chris Benoit killed his family. Hmm. So again, a fellow Canadian, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like the writing was on the wall. Maybe I just need to take a little vacation, get away right. from this place. And I went to Japan. I've been there ever since. What was your initial reason for asking for your release? That was it. It was Chris Benoit. Benoit? Yeah. Wow. Well, again, like I went to I went to the rehabilitation center for four months, yeah. right? Yeah. And then when I got out, I felt great. But then, you know, I mean, it was the biggest catastrophe in wrestling history. I mean, it was worldwide news. Yeah, sure. You know? So I said, okay. People, places, and things. If you're in a toxic environment or an environment doesn't, you know, suit you, you got to change it. If, you know. Yeah. When you asked for your release, did you have a plan for what was going to be next for you? Well, I didn't have a clue. You just wanted out. Well, but I knew I was going to do something in wrestling because I have very strong will and determination, right? And about uh, a day after I asked for my release, I was already booked in Japan. Wow. Uh, but here's the thing, and this happens with a lot of Canadians who get released from WWE or ask for their release from WWE. You're under an O-1 visa working for them. Now you can't work anywhere else in the U.S., which, I mean, that's, that's scary because it's an uphill battle to figure out how to legally work in the U.S. again. Oh, yeah. You don't have to. I haven't. I've had a good living. You're saying you don't need to legally work in the U.S.? I don't need to work in the U.S., period. That's true. Yeah. No, no, where's the will is away. Yeah, you've been able to have an entire career in Japan, Europe. definitely in Canada, Europe. Europe. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is actually a testament to a lot of people in Canada who are going, if only I can break in, if only I can get a visa. Well, that's it. I got the exposure. I was very lucky. 
Yeah. Like, and now with the internet, you can, well, like Cafe de Rene, cheap plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to promote yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. But don't forget, the United States is what? Less than 5% of the world's population? It's a fact. Yeah. Right? You're on world, I was on worldwide television for four or five years. Yeah. And now with the internet, people, you know, I got a name for myself. It might not be the biggest name, but still. Yeah. At what point when you were working for WWE, does the excitement start to die down? You start to peel back that curtain and you go, oh, this isn't exactly what I thought it might be. Oh, it's like anything else. It becomes Groundhog Day, right? Mm. Then it's to the point where the only thing you care about is your check to see how big your check is every week. Yeah. And that's like, I don't think that's a reason to do anything. You know, I'm sure money, yeah, money is great. Don't get me wrong, but when that's the only thing you care about and you don't really care about the job, maybe it's time to do something else, right? But man, it must be, must have been so exciting for you because you know you get signed at 18, you debut at 19, you win a championship at 19. It's like you're marking, like checking all these things mm. off the list. And then at what point does it start to go, like just plateau? Mm. Well, it's 15, 16 years ago, right? I guess Eddie dying. Mm. Eddie dying was hard. And then uh, you see guys like Tess, for example, he breaks his neck, he gets fired. And then he did come back, but he wasn't, the, I'm just going to leave it at, he wasn't the same guy when he came back. Mm. And you see this. And I'm seeing that at a young age, you see this. And then you see like all your heroes, Mr. Perfect, Big Boss Man, Road Warrior Hawk. All these guys are dropping dead, left and right, left and right. And you think, well, is this, okay, that's great. Okay, I won this belt. I won this belt. Okay, I was number one. Okay, but what's it going to be worth if at 38 or 40 I'm, I'm dead or crippled? No. I got in. I made my mark. I made, did I make enough money to retire? No. Did I make enough money to invest? Yes. Is that what mm -hmm. I did? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say that the investment I, I made when I was 19 in 2003, I've paid it off completely. So now I have perfect credit, seven figures worth of collateral, and a steady six-figure income. Yeah. Yeah. So in my mind, I won the game. <laughs> Is that six figures from indie wrestling right now? No, no, no. From real estate. Oh, from real estate. Ah. I am, I am right on the cusp right now of starting to invest in investment properties. <laughs> and Renee, it's heartbreaking because you'll look at some of these properties and maybe they're selling, I'm just going to make up numbers here. Maybe they're selling for $500,000 and you, you see that someone bought it two years ago for 300 or 350. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm reminded of the quote, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is today. And I'm like, well, I guess there's no better time to get in it than now. Right. No, no. The initial investment, the initial investment I made was a little over half a million. Okay. Now it's worth almost triple that. So that's great. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We are the exact same age. And I remember we? watching. Yeah, we're the same age. I remember watching you debut and we're the same age. We're both from Canada. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm 19 and I don't look like that. So at what point in your teenage years did you start getting as insanely jacked as you were? 
I started lifting weights at 11. Okay. Now, now there's a difference though. I started lifting weights at like 13 or 14. There's a difference though between lifting weights, me, and looking like how you look, you. Well, I knew what I wanted to do and I actually got a part because my father is very frugal. So he wouldn't buy the food that's necessary that we want to bodybuild because I would eat seven, eight meals a day. Okay. Mm. I, would, I got a part-time job pumping gas at a gas station in a Canadian winter. So you know how brutal that is. Yeah. Just to buy the chicken breast. Uh, you know. Plus it's genetics too. My dad looked like a young Steve Reeves. My mom looked like a foot fitness model when she was in there. So I would spend three, four hours a day in the gym. I would skip school to go lift weights. Yeah. So was your inspiration? I had no life. Was your inspiration bodybuilders or was your inspiration pro wrestlers? British Bulldogs, Road Warriors, you know, uh, Macho Man, the Ultimate Warrior. Mm. But then I, you know, I was kind of a smart kid because you know how Vince tried to start his own bodybuilding federation, right? Yep. So you know, okay, this guy likes bodybuilding. So that's what I did. I trained. I got, well, I started wrestling when I was 14 for my dad. And then uh, at 16, or no way, at 17, uh, I trained for bodybuilding contests. I won the New Brunswick, the Provincials. And then a week later was the Nationals in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I won those. So my resume, because I, I didn't get hired strictly because of who my dad was or my name. I, got, I sent in a, a resume. Mm. I had, you know, national bodybuilding contest winner, you know, world qualifier, all that shit. Because I was, you know, I was dead set on, that was my goal, was to make it to the WWF. I made it. What, what I think is great about that is you, you've like reverse engineered the process here. And I think there's so many people who are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever, that want to be pro wrestlers. And man, I, I hate saying this, but you look at so many indies and there's a lot of guys that are trying to make it who like never work out. And I don't understand if the biggest stars on TVs, TV are the guys that look a certain way. Why wouldn't you want to be in the gym as well? Yeah. Well, what a lot of them should do and they don't is train their neck muscles, their trapezius muscles, mm -hmm. because all that bumping we do. Dude, if you got a pencil neck and you're taking all those bumps, it's easier. For, once you break your neck, that's it. You ain't going nowhere. You think the big major feds are going to hire you? Yeah. When they give you that uh, medical exam, oh, you broke your neck? Okay, next. Yeah. You know? Oh. Look at it like any other sport. All the hockey players I've known and uh, guys who played sports, they all had to follow a diet and a regimen, a training regimen. You know? Wrestling yeah. is no different. Yeah. You know? The only difference is on, in wrestling, it's on you. When you're playing for an NHL team or an NFL team, it's like built into your day. You guys have to go to the gym. You have to work out for strength and conditioning. I think they do that in the... Uh, the Florida program now in the performance center. Yeah. 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 I think they're doing it like that. We but then once you're on the road, it's like, it's on you. Oh yeah. 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 Get to the gym. You have to rent your own cars, get your own hotel room. I mean, a part of that's kind of cool because you have your independence and stuff. Yeah. You're not, but some people like it more like in Europe, when we were traveled to Europe with WWE, you have your own uh, team bus and you all stay at the, the 
high class hotels and stuff, and there was always gyms appointed to us, and you got your meals paid. That was pretty sweet. That was a good time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you have any, like, residual injuries or residual effects from injuries now? Like, when you get out of bed, does anything... Uh. Really <laughs> Fucking, I got like one brain cell left. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that why we're smoking whatever we're smoking here right now? CBDs. This is not THC, folks. Although I am Canadian and it is completely legal. Ah, uh, CBDs. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, memory loss because I've had a lot of concussions. Hmm. And my teeth knocked out three times. My nose broken four times. I got dents in my head. But as far as body-wise, I mean, my shoulder's pretty screwed up. This one here from Goldberg, he's a dick. Uh, <laughs> other than that. That's a dislocated uh, collarbone, right? Yeah, yeah. With the, uh, he had a backstage. With the flag, yeah, yeah. Hit me four times, like, son of a bitch. That's the thing, like, you don't want to show him that, you know, you're weak, right? You just go for it. You show him how tough you are. And, and you kept working through a dislocated uh, collarbone? It's called a quarter zone. Oh my god! Oh. Did you wow. end up having words with Bill after that and say like, "Hey, man, like my shoulder's all messed up now"? Uh, no, I'm right. He knew that. Uh, I think he has one speed go, and he's so OCD that I, I think he was actually apologetic. But at the same time, is like he couldn't control it because mm. he's too concentrated on his character. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I had Spike Dudley on the show last year, and we talked about that spot that La Resistance did where he took that bump to the outside with a table, which, when you watch it back, looks incredibly painful. And yeah. Spike shrugged it off like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. Just, it's like any other bump. It's like that's any other bump. That's what he told me after it happened. And I was so apologetic, man. I called him that night in his hotel room to see if he was okay, you know. But uh, that wasn't our idea. 
Like we didn't, there's an unwritten rule when you first get to WWF, especially at 19, you don't say a word. You just shut up and do as you're told, right? But see, like bumps like that, they're too, there's too much room for error. Yeah. Too dangerous. You have another human being. I don't care how big Spike's a small guy, but still try to, in this live TV, one take, and you know, it's too much room for error. I, I was just blown away when he was like, oh yeah, that bump was no different than any other bump. He's one tough little bastard, I tell you. Yeah. Whose idea was it for that bump? Bubba. Huh. Anything involving the Dudley boys, it was all Bubba. You did an episode of your podcast recently where you were basically like, yeah, F Bully Ray. <laughs> Nobody likes Bubba. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I'm just the one with the balls to say it publicly. Uh, I, I guarantee you there's nobody who's like, yeah, I'm going to work with Bubba Ray tonight. No, that don't happen. Are you saying as a person or as a worker, nobody likes him? Either. Really? <laughs> He's always been very kind to me. I've got nothing well, bad to yeah. say about him. Yeah, well, try working professionally with him. Yeah. So there was like he lived up to his name is basically what you're saying. He was in fact a bully to you guys. Uh, that was back then, man. Try that shit with me now. I, I, I won't fly. I'm a grown man now. So different. Was there story. one was there one specific thing? Like if we go back on YouTube and watch a clip, was there one specific match or moment where you would go, oh man, uh, that was bad. I don't think so. Like from a professional standpoint, there'd be times where he'd yell shit out in the ring. Like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's why I don't rank him. I don't. I do not rank him that high as a quality wrestler. I just don't. You know, I just don't. I mean, do they rank, had the little act. Do you rank that they the did. Dudley Boys up there? No. Wow. That's right now. I mean, their little shtick that they did was entertaining. Was different. Okay, but. But as far as all-time great wrestlers, no. Now, is this just Bubba, or did you have issues with Devon? D- no, Devon's actually a better wrestler than Bubba. Hmm. When it comes to actual wrestling, yeah, Devon's way better than Bubba. Okay, so if that's Bubba, on one end of the spectrum of people you did not like working with, who's on the other end of the spectrum of people who you couldn't wait to get in the ring with? Paul London. Every night. Uh time i got to work with the rock that was pretty sweet that was exciting steve yeah. austin yeah and then um well i liked working with cena i liked the money yeah. but paul london as far as just because we're both young guys and it's not like you had like a veteran trying to tell you do this to, we could put our thoughts together and work together you know yeah it's great what was it about The Rock or Austin? Like, I, I think that, you know, you get into a position like that because you're great all around. But what was it specifically when you're in the ring with someone like that? Just the energy. Yeah. The crowd. Yeah. Oh, those were the two that once their music hit, you would feel it. You would literally feel a wave mm. from the people. I kind of, it's, it's, it's comparable to like, Saying you go to a Metallica concert, right? And they open the show and they hit the first the first riff of uh, Enter Sandman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or your your 
Eddie Vedder and you're in the Madison Square Garden and the, the whole crowd is, is singing uh, Can't Find a Better Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of feeling you get. You know, For me, every time I hit the French tickler, my little dance I used to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's when I knew I'd have the people. You know? Yeah. Whose idea was it for you to lean into your French roots and that to become part of your character? Well, it was the whole, uh, when the Afghanistan war started, right? This is when they renamed, renamed French fries, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Americans. Remember that? <laughs> French fries great. became freedom fries. Freedom fries. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the French didn't want to go to war. Yeah. You know? They're like, listen, man, we don't know the whole story and really it doesn't concern us. Yeah. Why are we going to go over there and die for? And then, you know. And then I like to talk about this because remember a few years ago, I think it was in Marseille, there was like the ISIS or one of those terrorist groups uh, drove like a tank or something. And I think it was in Marseille, France, and killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Right? What did the French army do? Did they, they, they go and pray for help and ask everybody for help. No, no. Within 24 hours, they found out where those motherfuckers were. They got in their fighter jets and they bombed the ever living shit out of them. You see that, see the mentality, the difference. Yeah. They're, they're independent. They worry about their stuff. They don't get involved in anybody else's business. And really my mentality is the same way. I like to be independent. I like to concentrate on my stuff. I don't really worry about anything else. I remember being so confused. I remember being so confused as a Canadian. Cause I'm like, Wait a second. Renee and Sylvain are Canadian. Right. They're French Canadian. Just because they speak French, they now have to represent France. It did Imagine not. Imagine how I it. felt. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I mean, why did they make Santino Morello from Italy? He's really from Mississauga, right? He's from Mississauga, yeah. He just does Val a great Venus. Italian accent. Yeah. Val, Val Venus is from Toronto. All of a sudden, he's from Las Vegas and he's a porn star. No, because the mentality in the, in the United States and with Vince McMahon is that if you're, unless you're from America, you're not, if you're Canadian, you can't be a babyface. That's his mentality, right? Like when uh, Benoit won the title, go back and watch if, if, you, if you actually can now. Now resigning from Atlanta, Georgia. Well, that was everybody. Right after 9 11, nobody was Canadian. Everybody right. was residing in whatever their American residency was. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jericho, when he wanted, I think it was now residing from Tampa, Florida. And when it's That's right. Market. The only market would be the Toronto boys. Because Toronto's Edge a huge market, right? Yeah. Like Edge. Christian huh. Edge. Yeah. Because so Toronto's is, a huge market. So this is pitched to you that you're now going to represent France. And are uh, you thinking, well, that, of course, it doesn't make sense. But it's my chance to go work uh, on the main roster. That's it. Yeah. You shut up and do as you're told, man. Did like you have to really job. work on your French accent? Well, I had a stronger accent back then. Because when I first got to nice, I was fresh out of high school, so I was always talking French. Like I told you, now I barely speak French at all. Maybe with yeah. my, my father, that's about it. No. Yeah. Because my mom was Anglophone, right? I don't know. It was just so weird to see that. But you're right. Like, there was also the un-Americans that, that happened around that same time. Obviously, in the 90s, you had Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation, and they were bad guys simply because they were from Canada. Yeah. No, if you look at Vince's track record, he always goes back to the same old formula. You know, USA versus the foreigners, right? 
<laughs> yeah, this happened with uh, Kozlov. It happened with Rusev. Yeah. I mean, we can go down the list. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there like a... a you, uh, didn't they have a group? It was like uh, the the Rusev and then... The uh, United Nations, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, it always goes back to... Yeah. And whoever the American good guy is, you, it's always the same formula. Same but when you shit. break in doing that, how hard is it then to break out of that being your thing? Good. Yeah. Took me years. Yeah. Took me years. That's the thing, like, once you're on his television, that's worldwide. People are always going to remember you for that. Yeah. So when you try to break away from that, or if he owns your name, you know, there's nothing worse than uh, the artist formerly known as on a poster. Nothing looks more like rinky-dinky than that. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so. But they're in their rights. They can they can sue you or they can send a cease and desist to tell you not to use it, right? So I mean, for, smart somebody, business on his part. for somebody who hasn't seen one of your matches since WWE, huh. who are you now and what's your character now? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> No, I just go by Renee Dupree, and I'm all over the world, man. Uh, the latest stuff I've done was in Japan for Pro Wrestling Noah. Yeah. And then I'm independent, so I do stuff for a fellow Canadian, Hannibal, for Great North Wrestling. He does shows all over Ontario. Uh, I usually travel through Europe and stuff like that, but again, with this pandemic, it's hard, right? So I really don't want to go to the United States right now because just, I just... I just heard there was like 5,000 cases in Massachusetts yesterday. That sounds very possible. <laughs> right? And now there's a new variant. There's a new variant, and then they just shut the J uh, Japanese borders again. Yeah. All foreigners. So it's like, oh, it's never ending, man. What's the so Cafe de Rene on YouTube, everybody? <laughs> Please sign up and, uh, yeah, join my YouTube pen. What's the character now? There is no character. I am my own character. I'm a character in itself. I wrestle. I'm with that. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about the tattoo on your left shoulder. I recognize the Canadian maple leaf, but what's yes. what's next to it? Japan. Oh. Want to hear a story? I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at All Japan Pro Wrestling, right? Yeah. And uh, I was there for three weeks. And then... Uh, the, the seniors on the tour introduced me to sponsors. Now, a sponsor in Japan is like a fan who has a lot of money, and he takes you out. So they took us out to the Hard Rock, went to the strip clubs, we did karaoke. Let's just say I had a really good time. So then I flew back to Canada after the three-week tour, and I'm with my buddies. I'm we're, we're drinking. I'm like, you know what, guys? Let's go for a tattoo. And we show up to this like shady like tattoo shop, and like, yeah, man. Japan, and then the next morning I wake up. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I got it next to my heart because it, it, once I fin uh, uh, I was done with WWF. I hated wrestling. Man. I was so sick of wrestling. I went over there. I fell in love with it. Mm. I fell in love with the country. I fell in love with the culture. So plus I'm Canadian, so that's why that's there. If you fall out of love with wrestling, 
how could you keep doing it? Well, you just got to go to a different territory. Yeah. So the only place, in my opinion, the only place that pro wrestling still exists is in Japan. Hmm. And you'll find it on independent. Like the AEW stuff, I have have yet to watch a whole show. I think uh, I might review it on my YouTube channel, Cafe de Renee. Uh, (laughs) Which, of course, translates to mean coffee with Renee, yes. Yeah, which is, yes, coffee with me. Yes. Are you going to review an AEW show coming up soon? Is that the plan? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean... I do different topics like this week uh, we did a fan vote on Twitter and people wanted to talk to uh, want me to talk about Chris Benoit. Yeah. So I did a 45 minute, you know, thing on him. And then I'm going to bring up different subjects that I find interesting, like uh, drug uses in wrestling, because I can relate to it. Right. And describe in detail some of the stuff that goes on, you know, the kind of like the dark side of the ring, you know, the, the subjects that most people don't want to talk about or scared to talk about. Yeah, I want to talk about that shit. I think people are interested in that kind of stuff. I feel like you are now walking this thin line when you're talking about subjects like this. For for an outsider looking in, that might go, "Well, Renee's just jaded, or Renee doesn't oh. like the WWE." Oh, no! I just tell the truth. Hmm. No, hmm. no, no, I can't. I have to. If it wasn't for their exposure on their television, you wouldn't be talking to me right now, would you? For sure, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do all the other stuff that I've done in wrestling and travel independently on my own, thanks yeah. to that exposure. And that was, Christ, 17 years ago, 18 years ago? Crazy. Right? Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm, am I bitter towards that place? Well, I was re-signed in 2011, a lot of people don't realize that, but I felt like I was lied to. You know, I couldn't I couldn't get in to the United States at that time because I didn't have my proper paperwork, and I was told one thing, and then when I went and got that stuff fixed, and tried to contact them again, there was no answer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, that was almost well 10 years ago so if you could go back and change anything about doesn't even necessarily need to be wwe but you could go back and change anything about that time would you change anything it's a good question i wish i would have been a little bit older until I, before I got on the road. Mm. Yeah. That, that lifestyle for anyone under the age of 21 is too much. Yeah. You weren't even able to drink. Oh, yeah. Cause it's 21 in the United States. Yeah. And it's 18 in Quebec and 19 for most of the rest of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But in the United States it's, it's 21. Yeah. It's 21 in the U S. So what happens, you know, all the boys are going out and you can't go out. Well, I didn't want to drink anyway. I was trying to be the one time that I did decide to drink in my room alone. We were in the UK and I was 19. So I think that's legal, right? Yeah. But I ended up almost missing the flight the next day and got a whole bunch of heat. So that was the first and only time I did that. I didn't do it again. 
What was it that got you? Was it vodka? It was wine and two European women. <laughs> That'll get you every time. Every time. <laughs> but I think part of the allure of you was the fact that you were so young and so jacked at the time and seemingly so experienced for someone who was only 19 years old. Yeah. So they had big plans, no doubt. They had big plans. And the thing is, if you were a little bit older, maybe your story wouldn't have been as impressive. Yeah, that's true too. That's the funny thing, right? I mean, you can never go back and change anything and hindsight's always twenty twenty. but if you were 25 and had all of the accolades that you had, maybe it wouldn't have been as great. Right. No, yeah. it's true. It's true. I mean, I was the youngest until an eight-year-old beat my record. <laughs> what was his name again? Exactly. What was his name again? I don't know. No, I, now everybody watching this is going to go, well, what do you mean? Nicholas. I was there. I was at that WrestleMania. Were you? Nicholas. 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 Yes, I was at that oh. WrestleMania and I was looking at my friends going, I can't believe this. <laughs> I think you need a rematch or you need to have a match with Nicholas. Right? Yeah, he's got to be, what, 11 now? Well, I, yeah, I think he's hit puberty by now, so. Sounds like a fair match to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Let's book it. <laughs> Do you think about life after wrestling? You can't keep doing this for the next 20 years. Do you think about what you're going to do next? Well, I got the real estate, right? Yeah. So. Is that investing or are you also, like, are you are you working as an agent too? Well, my family owns about 19 buildings and I own about two, so. It's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's yep. <laughs> comfortable income. That's yeah. A, that's pretty great income. Yeah. Yeah. No, I learned that from my dad. You know, my father said, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's how much you save and invest. <clears throat> hmm. Like I told you before, it's like, did I make enough to retire? Hell no. But did I make enough to buy a house? Yeah. Did I buy a house? No, I bought a real estate. Building. Yeah. I bought another one. Then I bought another one. Then, yeah. You know. I'm still going to wrestle. Do you think real estate is the best investment that you could possibly make? I think it is. I mean, people say it's like cryptocurrency, not in this day and age, but I don't know. Stock market, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not too knowledgeable about that shit. I, I think the stock market's a good long-term investment. Right. Crypto, boy, you could either become rich or completely broke from that, depending on what you That's, buy. It's risky, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But real estate's yeah. always going to trend up. People are always going to need yeah. a place to live. That's it. And they're making more people and they're not making any more land. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like the little town that I grew up in, man, like since I graduated high school in the last 20 years, it's like tripled in size. Hmm. So that's why like the, the value of the land is just skyrocketed, right? Yeah. Have you always been this outspoken your entire career or your entire life? Maybe it's all the concussions. All the chair shots to the head. No, I used to not talk at all, right? Then I went to uh, the rehabilitation center, and they force you to talk. Mm. And then I think, you know, caught on that it's important to communicate. Plus, I don't leave the house very often. So this is a chance for me to actually talk a little bit. You know? This in the podcast, yeah. Right? 
No, it's a great release. It's a great release, the podcast, yeah. What do, what do you do when you're not wrestling or podcasting or working out? <sighs> Staring at the walls. Mm, sounds exciting. No, I read, I read a lot of books. Okay, me too. Yeah. Uh, my father is 85 years of age now, and he, he lost his license because he's going blind, <clears throat> and he's got dementia. So I have to take care of him because I don't know how long you know he's going to be here for. So in one way, the pandemic is kind of a good thing, you know, kind of a blessing in that aspect. Because if if it was normal, I'd be traveling. I'd still be traveling all over the place, right? What's what are you reading right now? Uh, are you familiar with Heroin Diaries? No. Nikki Six Heroin Diaries. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. What What would you say <clears throat> is the book you would recommend to anybody? Like, what's the book that you would gift the most to people? Well, I'm into horror, horror, and I'm into like real, like bio, like real life biographies and stuff. You know? Yeah. I mean, when I was 12, I read Stephen King's It. I had mono that summer, and I had nothing to do, so I read the whole thing. That's a big book, too. Yeah, it's like over a thousand pages, right? Yeah, it's thick. Yeah, it took me three months, but I read the fucking thing. Um, I'm a big fan of Motley Crue, so like their biographies are really good. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing, right? I read Slash's biography, which is really good, but I tried to read like Chris Jericho's biography right after I read Motley Crue's biography. And I was like, this is fucking lame. And I just threw it away. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. You just don't compare, dude. I like the real shit. Have you read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights? No. Is it Highly good? recommended. Really? So good. Good stories. Good stories? Uh, great stories. And also like just great life lessons in there too. Yeah. He's been like, uh, journaling since the eighties. And basically everything that's happened in his life is something that he like manifested years ago. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a great read. Green lights is what it's called. Right. So okay. I'll I'll read I'll read your book, Heroin Diaries, and you can read Green Lights and let me know what you think. All right, all right, all right. There it is. Who is the person in your life? Maybe it's a fellow wrestler. Maybe it's a family member. Who's the person in your life that inspired you the most as you were coming up in the industry? Mm, good question. There's so many. I can't just name just one. Because, I mean, I was like the ultimate fan, right? Like, when I was a little kid, I, I vacationed at Macho Man Randy Savage's house. You know? I had Harley Race staying at our house, and he would take me in his Cadillac to go get ice cream every day. You know, you know, dynamite. I have the dynamite kid his ring jacket at my parents' house in the attic. You know, so I've been around wrestling my whole life. Yeah, but I was really hooked on uh, the Japanese wrestlers. Like, there's a legendary, famous god, Masahiro Chono. You know, he's like the godfather of Japanese wrestling. And like, to this day, we're still buddies. Like, when I'm in Japan, I stay at his house and stuff. And uh, like, I seen him, um, 
as a little kid, do all those cool Japanese like martial artists, and, which was different than when I was used to watching it, like the maritime Canadian wrestlers. You know? So that was that got me hooked. I'm guessing your dad was a big influence as well. Oh yeah, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't have the knowledge about the weight room and the, the dieting and how important all that stuff was. Right? Yeah, because because we had a gym in our house. So that's why I started so young, right? 11. Is there one piece of advice, maybe from him or from somebody else, that has always stuck with you? It's not, how much, it's not how much money you make in wrestling. It's how much money you save. Yeah. And once this business is like, it comes to an end. And once it comes to an end, it's one of the worst feelings in the world when you can't do it anymore mm. because it's such an addiction. Right. I compare it to like, why do you think, excuse me, Lemmy, he played till he basically dropped dead. Why do ACDC, why do the Rolling Stones, why do they still play Metallica? They have enough money. Yeah. Because they love it. It's the rush. Well, that's the greatest drug, right? Adrenaline. It, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Which is why so many people, when the band breaks up or when they get released from the NFL or WWE, they turn they to another adrenaline rush. They self-destruct, yeah. 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 How oh, yeah. do you avoid, yeah, how can you avoid that? I don't know. Yeah. I really, you gotta find something else, but when this is your whole life, you know, it's hard. And it's, it's hard, like, for example, like when I had that little thing in the ring with the rock, after, afterwards, how hard that was to come down it was, it was, it was, I was like stuffing cheeseburgers and, and ice cream, trying to get the endorphins in my brain up. Oh yeah. You know, or you try to find yourself a lady of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Also sure. think of how difficult it would be to sleep that night. Oh, you don't. Yeah. You can't. No. And then you got to wake up early the next morning because you're off to the next town. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, that's the thing. Like you have a five or six o'clock. Usually they they book the cheapest earliest flights WWF so you gotta be at the airport at five a.m. You get out of the building at eleven twelve so sometimes like why even bother getting a hotel room just go find a nightclub or a strip club or a diner and stay just find all. a lady of the night that's it lady of the night God bless them which city was the best city for ladies of the night <laughs> Chicago really Chicago I was well, fully I expecting Las Vegas uh oh. Uh, well, see, I never had to pay for it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm French. Just pull out the wee, wee, wee. Bonjour. Comment ça va? I love that shit. But like, yeah. as far as entertainer, yeah, Chicago was the best for me. Man. Oh, yeah. Chicago. Oh, yeah. That would have Every taken me about 30 guesses to get. Oh, no, no. It's a wrestling city. Chicago was really, really good for me. Well, that's it. Yeah. You're not. You're not just getting picked up because you're, you know, an entertainer and you're French. You, you know, they're interesting because you're Rene Dupree and they just saw yeah. you on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Also, oh, yeah. you know, if if we went to uh, a club tonight or a bar tonight, you would definitely stand out. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I can say in four or five different occasions. I would walk into a bar and girls would throw themselves on top. 
that happened about four or five different times. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you sure. like a legit story. One time now, is I was this, is this because they're going, oh my God, that's Rene Dupree or oh my God, that guy's a wrestler. Mm, twice because of who I was. One time just because the way I looked. The one time was in Liverpool. I was at, you know, Brian Danielson? Of course. I was with Brian Danielson and Gangrel. Love both Liverpool. those guys. Oh, great guys. So we're in Liverpool, England. We're working for an independent promoter, right? And I walk in, and as soon as I we climb up the stairs, to this, and as soon as I get up there, this cute little English blonde girl just jumps in my arms and starts making out with me. You can talk to those two guys. They will... They will back up the story. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good night right there. That was a good night. Yeah, and it's yeah. not because not because I was I don't she didn't know that I was Randy Pre the wrestler. She just saw the way I looked. And, you know. The other two times in my hometown is because of who I was. Hmm. And uh, one time it was in Louisville, Kentucky, with. I'm not going to mention names, but she's a French-Canadian wrestler. Okay. <laughs> Fill in the blanks, bro. It's funny because kind of like the addiction you were talking about earlier yeah. with athletes or with rock stars, that starts to fade away as, you know, the older that you get. Yeah. And I remember asking my friend who was a notorious womanizer and he got married at like 36. And I went, dude, like you used to be the guy who would like just line up girls and have your pick. What happened? And I'll never forget it. He said, I'd stopped getting the looks that I used to get when I was 25, 28. And I went, oh, that's it. gosh. And that's a hard pill to swallow too. Yeah, and then instead of showing your looks, you got to show them your bank. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they're sleeping with you for all the wrong reasons. Right. C'est la vie. Man, c'est la vie. C'est la vie. Hmm. Renee, this has been such an interesting conversation. I had no <laughs> idea where this would go. We've covered so many different things. You said forty-five minutes. We're up to fifty-three. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here. I'm so sorry. I've been enjoying your stories so much. Oh well, Cafe the Renee every drops every Monday. Uh, we're gonna have different subjects, and then if you want to go in the comments and you, you want a subject, my webmaster guy he reads them all. So just <laughs> let us know what you want me to talk about. I don't care. Yeah, Cafe Dupree on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this on a podcast platform. Yeah, I end every interview with the same question because I'm all about gratitude. I start and end every day saying out loud three things I'm grateful for. So for you, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for yeah, right now? I'm grateful for. Uh, I'm grateful for my mom and dad. Yeah, they're still alive. And... They support me. I'm grateful for my wife who stood by me through thick and thin. Uh, and I'm grateful for the internet because <laughs> I can try to stay relevant with my own YouTube channel. <laughs> and I'm, I'm grateful for the internet too. We live in two different right. countries. We are four time zones away and here we are chatting in real time. Isn't it awesome? And it's we're amazing. both Canadian and we're both the same age. That's true. 
Yeah, except you're well well manicured, and I just don't care. Ah, you look great. <laughs> look at this wonderful ponytail that you have. Yeah, buddy. Oh, my dry split ends. Look at that. See? <clears throat> Shit. Renee, thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. And congrats on the podcast. Well, we're only at like 315 subs. Hopefully after this show, we can get up to 3,000. We, I, we can definitely double your subscribers with this interview. Well, I appreciate it it's very not much. not a promise, but it's... I'm, Highly everyone's going to come through here. All right. Perfect. Good. There you have it, my friends. Merci beaucoup for being with us on this episode. Big thank you to Renee for joining us as well. You can check out Cafe de Renee wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to give it a follow if you haven't already. Also, make sure to follow Insight on the podcast platform if you're choosing so you don't miss out on any of the big stuff that we have in store for 2022. Oh, man, I can't wait. I mean, most of the interviews we did in 2020 and 2021 were obviously done remotely because of these circumstances. Starting to do a lot more in person, starting to do a lot more from the beautiful Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. So I'm hoping as we head into 2022, the majority will be done in person. But make sure to click subscribe or click follow so you don't miss out on whatever we have coming up. I'll leave you with the words of J.P. Morgan as we wrap this up. The first step towards getting somewhere is to decide that you're not going to stay where you are. Mm, be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.